0: This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking, motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. So my, my next guest, is an actress who has worked on stage with some of the world's most prestigious theaters, including the Royal Shakespeare Company, Shakespeare's uh, Globe, and the National Theater. She is a drama center London graduate whose training was supported through many awards in the support of actors, including Jeremy Irons, Ian McKellen, and Ian McShane. Upon graduation, she landed a role in BBC's long-running series, Doctors, Film and television credits include the animated series Summer Lane Drive, the features Psycho Gorman, and the limited channel four series Deceit. She recently finished shooting for an upcoming Amazon series Three Pines based on Louise Penny's Gamache series where she is a series regular. Born in Manchester to Irish and Austrian ancestry, Anna speaks fluent German. Off screen, she plays roller derby and converted a dilapidated narrow boat into a home. It is my pleasure to introduce <laughs> you to, to Anna Tierney. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. First of all, I'm so curious to know about the dilapidated boat you turned into a home.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's probably my all-time favorite place that I ever lived. and first home that I uh, owned, the only home that I've ever owned. And um, it was a really special time. You know, living in London it's it's difficult to afford a place of your own. So me and my, my partner, we we bought an old narrow boat and then uh yeah, just just snazzed her up and um she's, she was called the looking glass and she now belongs to someone else. We we don't have her anymore. But um yeah, it was one of the most beautiful times living in London, but in in the most amazing parts of the city, but always on the water and always near some green or a park and you know, the canals are like this sort of secret part of the city that you don't always notice straight away, but yeah, it's pretty magical, Mm. I really loved it.
0: How fabulous, how long did you live there?
1: Uh, We had the boat for four years, yeah. So on and off for for around that time.
0: What was going on for you in your life then? Like what what did your life look like?
1: um I mean it was a mixture of I think I was working on various different uh theater shows then I mean I, I was still skating then so I was playing roller derby and at one point you know I was making a show about roller derby so there was a lot of skating I think at that point in my life <laughs> um yeah just being a working actor and living on a boat
0: it conjures up all sorts of wonderful romantic ideas of being an actor in london right i mean <laughs> well i love that you included it in your bio too it's it it says a lot about you that you included it in your bio actually
1: hmm. well my agent likes that little tidbit <laughs> is that right yeah yeah she's like well what you know it's 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 a i guess it is an interesting fact i didn't I always just thought it was my way of life but i think yeah like you said it probably does say a lot about a person that you know they're willing to live on the water and and be live in this kind of wandering way and and it's romantic and it, mm. it does i guess it says a lot in that just one kind of snapshot image and you can imagine a lot in that image um but yeah it was was my life big part of my life
0: i love it you're talking about you know, Jeremy Irons and the old globe and the Royal Shakespeare, blah, blah. blah. And then it's like, you know, she plays roller derby and <laughs> converted dilapidated lapidated. Boat. I'm like, that is awesome. Like it's, it's like the full embracing of, 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 you know, what you do and who you are. And mm-hmm. they, they were given equal value. If not, I mean, usually the bio is left with, you know, you know, your sort of biggest credit at the end or whatever. And I think that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Oh, thanks. I love that. I love that. Take us back a little bit, because I don't know really much about you, and I'd love to. I'd love it if you wouldn't mind taking us back a little bit to your to your origin story, like to to little Anna, back in England, right? You you were born were you
1: born born there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, born in Manchester. Um, my dad's Mancunian, and uh, my mum's Austrian. And uh, so I was born in, in the north of England and then moved to uh, London to an area called Northall. But I don't have like a Northall accent. That's kind of like what they sound like where I grew <laughs> up. And um, and then uh, grew up there. And my dad was an actor. He's He passed away eight years ago um, this month, actually and um so i think that was always sort of there in the in in our world and my mum is an artist and a painter and many different mediums and so we've all kind of been very artistic in lots of different ways i think growing up but somehow acting and i think writing um as a kid growing up and now has always been a big part of my life
0: do you sort of have a a recollection of when you started getting interested yourself or thinking yourself, you know, we often look at our parents, don't we? And Mm -hmm. think, Oh, that's cool. Or we admire them. I'm just curious to know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, my dad was, he was such a charming, funny, uh, dedicated, personable man. You know, it was he was one of those people that it was just a dream to be around. He could hold court in a room and and you'd be kind of hanging off every word. And he was hilariously funny, you know, like piss your pants funny. He's (laughs) just the best. And those people are really rare. So I think, you know, having someone like that who you can kind of look up to and probably as a kid, you sort of emulate and replicate things that your parents do or you you have that example so you know how far you can go you know I I think about that a lot you know it must it must have played a role but I think you have to have some kind of aptitude for it like my sister isn't an actor and she just I guess doesn't have like the same aptitude for it but she's very artistic and she makes jewelry and she paints and like and we all kind of do a bit of all of that but like there's a reason why she's gone down that path and I've gone down yeah. this one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, it's so yeah. interesting because I think, you know, sometimes artistic parents, you know, really don't want their kids, you know, they say anything, do anything but, and they sort of discourage them from the yeah. arts and others, you know, expected. I mean, there's so many different sort of trajectories or expectations or non-expectations. And I'm just so curious to know, was it, was your household, did it feel, did it feel sort of, did you feel like choice or did you, yeah, how did that sort of, what was the rhythm of your your life growing up?
1: Well, I mean, there were definitely, uh, when I was, I guess when I decided that's what I wanted to do, my dad definitely, I think, I don't think he was encouraging of it because he knew, how hard it could be obviously um but it's sort of problematic i think when parents sort of discourage you to do something because it just makes you want to do it more you know you want to like either prove your parent wrong or you think like why don't they want me to do it do they not think i'm good at that thing or you know it creates so much more of a kind of uh, uh story around the thing that just uh yeah it gets in the way i think but my mum was always supportive of anything that I wanted to do, which, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for. And, you know, they they were both supportive at at every step.
0: Do you remember your first performance? Like, do you remember, how old were you, would you say when you did your first acting?
1: I did Bugsy Malone, and because I wasn't a confident singer then. And um, so I had a very small role. I was Luella. I remember my dad coming to watch that night and I just, I forgot my, like one of my two lines. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it was just so painful. And I think it was so painful that I I forgot to go out for the curtain call. I forgot to bow. And my, my parents had said, you know, where, where we didn't see you. Where were you? And I said, oh, I was out there. Oh, I was out there. And just sort of lied. I, I made up this lie, but I was just like in pain in <laughs> backstage that I'd forgotten this one line. And I think I remember being really method about the show too. Like I was like knitting in the show. And and that's clearly why I forgot my line, like just trying to do it all right, but getting it all wrong.
0: Oh, my oh God.
1: God. It's oh. so weird being a kid, isn't it?
0: You you said that, you know, you were being method. Right. So it sounds like if I'm hearing you correctly, that you were so involved in, in the act of what you were supposed what you were doing that you actually forgot the context of which but actually you have to remember lines and remember your blocking and so on and so forth right yeah
1: and i think it was totally out of context like there's no reason why this character would have needed to be knitting but i you know i'd made a choice i guess <laughs> um <laughs> but just unnecessary so high school High school
0: finished. And you did, I'm guessing you did really well. And the the reason I say that is because in my research also, I know that you're fluent in German um, Mm -hmm. and that you received a scholarship to Oxford. Is that right? For language?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did, I did not bad at high school. Actually I, I had kind of average grades. And then when I went to sixth form and I did my A levels and I was doing subjects that I liked, I started to, to do better, but, um, you know, it, it's funny, I don't really talk a lot about Oxford and, and my time there. I, I kind of always felt a bit like an outsider because I grew up in a part of London where it wasn't the expectation that you got into that kind of university. And um, I always felt like I was climbing a very big hill while I was there. And I think then I also had this um this feeling like when i came out of oxford that people who knew me or where i grew up that they would somehow look at me differently or think like Mm. you know that you sort of somehow think you're better than other people and i I honestly never really felt like i belonged there but i I know i know it was very useful in so many ways that that kind of university training you, you read so much you're so you're so well read and you know, you have exposure to a lot of plays and literature that you maybe wouldn't take the time to get into if you didn't have that kind of degree. Yeah. And then I also spent a year abroad in Berlin, which was really formative for me. And, and you know, I, I was applying for drama schools when I was at yeah. university and so went straight to drama school. And it wasn't until I got there that I realized that that was where I was supposed to be, and I'd mm. kind of I think been putting it off to an extent was maybe a bit afraid of going to to drama school or would I be good enough to go there or you know all those mm. self doubts that you have and things yeah
0: that distinction is brilliant because if I heard you correctly, you went from high school to university, not to not to theater school, right so you yes, apply- yeah. yeah so so you I'm sure you were well aware that going to Oxford would bring these things for a girl of your class or stature, wherever you were coming from to, to go to Oxford. So it was probably, obviously it's difficult to get in. You got in. So, Mm -hmm. so there was an element of proof there somewhere that that must've been important to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But then I also heard you say, which is really, really interesting, that there was maybe an element of not being ready yet to apply to Theater school, or even if if you were if you're maybe strong enough, so it seemed like a good option, right? Talk to me a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people think that uh, yeah, studying a degree first so that it's like a backup. Or I'm not I'm not even sure. Yeah, I think I think I thought it would be sensible to do, and maybe I wanted to prove to myself that I I could do it. And then when you get into a university like that, you sort of think, well, I have to go. And I remember arriving there and and feeling so out of my depth, but just kept going and kept trying to sort of prove to myself that I could do it. And maybe that sort of forged a quality in me where, you know, you just keep going until, until you get there. And those are useful qualities. I think as an actor too, you can feel very out of your depth and you, you just have to keep going and keep getting better at it and, um, you know, fight those voices that are telling you you don't belong in that place.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a great catch that if nothing else you, well, you learned a lot, obviously, but if nothing else, you also learned a very important tool for this industry, right. For the Mm -hmm. industry that you're in the resilience and the, you know, not always being in your, in your in the zone or in the yeah no i mean i think that makes perfect sense
1: i think also you know we're sort of we're sort of told that those are like the pinnacle places that you should be going to Mm -hmm. and i think i think that's really wrong um yeah because you know i think it can lead you or it definitely for me because i think i'm a little bit of a kind of adaptive personality so i think oh that's the thing that i have to do and I'll adapt myself in a way to fit into those environments and actually if I just embraced like where I came from and and you know didn't feel the need to sort of prove so many things I think our society now in our industry is much more accepting of difference and definitely more accepting of working class actors and but in my dad's generation you know, and maybe I was sort of following a similar example like he grew up in Manchester but completely eradicated his accent. He sounded, Mm. you know, very posh and that was the trend then to sound what's called RP, I think you call it the same thing don't you, receive pronunciation, you Mm. you sound a certain way to be accepted into theatre and television and now we're seeing that, you know, all accents are embraced like regional accents you, or or even like if you have a lisp it's fine like but i think back then it was like no you have to you have to speak properly and you have to do things a certain way and i remember my dad commenting on certain like speech things when i was a kid and i i just think you should just be allowed to embrace all those things because that's what makes it interesting and um yeah. I, I wish I had trusted that a little bit more, but I think, you know, the example in the industry up until very recently was, you know, you want to look like this kind of homogenous sort of gravy of bland things, you know, or perfection mm-hmm. or whatever that is. But I'm glad that's changing now and I'm embracing all those rougher edges.
0: Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. What makes you different, right, is is now what's interesting. Uh, that's the sort of new, <laughs> the new thing, right? Is, you know, uh, you know, hence the, you know, let's talk about the the boat at the end of your bio, right? I mean, there was a time when that would not have been a thing, right? Oh, so yeah.
1: I, they would have just thought you were some strange homeless person. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they would have put you right in a box.
0: What discoveries have you made about yourself since the world changed so much in 2020?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I have discovered that slowing down and taking time with things often yields better results. You know, certainly with the way that things move online, with social media and everything like that, the pace is just relentless and it's not really doable in a lot of ways. And I think now I'm starting to enjoy again, that kind of you know the long periods of gestation where you're thinking about a project knowing that something can take a really long time before it's ready to be shown to the world but it's it's really difficult with the way that things i think are marketed online you're you're made to feel like you need to share things so much quicker and it's just not really conducive for for good work <laughs> you know yeah so i think that's been a a nice thing to realize
0: do you think that things actually changed or do you think just your perception changed I mean things have changed obviously there's external things but it's interesting right I mean it's the same business it's the same Uh, the internet certainly was going full strong and there just wasn't much actually going on
1: yeah have things actually changed I mean probably not (laughs) Um, will they ever change? No, I think it'll probably get more and more intense as things go along. You know, it will just be a different kind of content. <laughs> mm. But it will be coming out just as thick and fast. Um, yeah, there's a new thing every second, every minute of the day. You're never going to be relevant. And if you are relevant for a moment, then... Trust me, everyone's forgotten by the next day, you know, you can't possibly keep up with that stuff. I think there's this confusion about the more visible I am somehow, the more worth it I am Mm. or the more merit I have. And that's just not true. That just means there's more pictures of you online. There's more of a kind of trace of your sort of online journey. But Mm. It's definitely something I struggle with, the sort of relentlessness of social media and and news via social media. I mean, it feels like I'm surfing this sort of information wave, but I'm just on the surface and it's very hard to go deep. And I think that's something I would like to try and harness a little more is to stay more deeply in my thoughts and my connections and physical connections with people and it exists further away from that online place
0: mm. yeah no i hear you
1: it, i find it really confusing too because like i said earlier i think i'm a little bit too <laughs> adaptive to things so i'll go online and i'll you know and I, because i am Artistic, and I like to draw, and and I follow all these illustrators and things, and or I might, I could see anything, and I'll just think, oh well, I should do that. Maybe I should be doing that, and I should do an illustration and post an, you know, it's like wh- I'm making up all these tasks for myself that just don't need to be in my handbag.
0: You know, I really, I really like to sort of delineate the diff- the big difference between should and could, right? I I always yeah. define should as could with shame. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when i heard you say that when i heard you heard you first say that um i saw some art and i really liked it energetically you looked like i'm a good artist like it was very positive it wasn't like oh yeah. i should do that because i can do that what i heard from you and maybe i'm wrong but what i was hearing was yeah. oh i can do that too that might be fun i mean i actually heard an element of fun but then i heard yeah. this sort of sensible you go what am I thinking? If I do that, then I won't be able to do this, which is where I'm trying to focus There is <laughs> It's almost
1: a paralysis by analysis at the end of the day, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, there's just so many options, but the, the thing is there are so many options. You just don't have to share them all online. Yeah. You know, you can, you can do all those. You actually can do all those things for fun. And, um, you know, and not make a living out of them. Yes. Like, But we don't live in in the age where, you know, Jefferson knew, like, all those people had a million different jobs and and, uh, qualifications that they were, they were architects and philosophers and politicians, and they kind of did everything. And I I think it is good to to do many different things, but you just don't have to worry about sharing all of it online.
0: Yeah, you don't have to be reporting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think another thing about slowing down uh, during the pandemic too was um, I think before I was con- very concerned or consumed with thinking or well, what makes the most sense as an actor. What should I do to kind of further you know where I'm going with things instead of thinking about what do I actually want to do and what do I enjoy Is that like should versus could thing that you that you were just talking about and I think that's. So true, and I only just in recent months been actually realizing what I genuinely enjoy, and just taking the pedal off doing things for the sake of thinking I should do them for my career or you know whatever it is, and that feels really really wonderful.
0: Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's the slowing down to speed up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a good boat term actually. When we were at, when we first had the narrow boat, where this much more experienced boater told us this boat term, which is "slow is smooth and smooth is fast." Mm. So the slower you go, the easier it is to pull into, you know, a lock, and you're less likely to capsize your boat or whatever it is, mm. and uh, and you'll get along quicker in the end. Yeah, yeah. Always remember that. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. So, what's your definition of living in the moment?
1: Uh, I think this year I've been thinking a lot more about surrendering to the moment and not controlling the moment so much. I think I didn't realize it, but I was a bit of a controller before.
0: <laughs> how did you, you know, discover? How did you discover that that you were a controller? Well,
1: going back home for Christmas. And, um, you know, when you get into that family dynamic and everyone's sort of jumping on each other's toes and your own personality is sort of amped up, I think, when you're with family. And then I just realised that when I took my foot off the pedal and was just trying less to control like what my mum or my sister were doing, things ran smoother. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> and Maybe they're not the problem. <laughs> You know, you always think, God, my family is so, so hard to deal with. But, you know, maybe, maybe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) I think most of the time, everyone can just let go a bit more and uh, things, things definitely run smoother. So I've been trying to kind of implement that a little bit more.
0: I love that. And what about in your regular day life? Is living in the moment important to you? Is that something that um, what does that look like for you? Is that even something that you're you're interested in?
1: Yeah, I mean, what is that? Like there's living in the moment and then in my head I'm like, okay, but then there's living in the moment successfully. Like, how do mm-hmm. I do that at the optimum level? And I think I don't know, as actors, there's there's a lot of time where you're like, Am I using my time optimally? What is what does that mean? I was actually listening to uh, one of your other podcast guests, Rodney Hicks, and he he said something about when he wakes up in the morning and he says two words, he says, thank you. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that sort of can sometimes cringe at like, you know, like gratefulness and or, even though I do do a lot of those like gratitude things mm. and, and I thought, okay, sure. <laughs> But then I woke up this morning, and I was kind of feeling like all those usual aches and pains. And you're like, "Oh, the day." And then I was like, "Thank you." I, I just thought those two words popped into my head that he'd said, and I did instantly feel better. I was like, "Yeah, I I am grateful. Why wouldn't I be grateful mm. for this life?" And it's something about there's like a little bit of forward energy. Like, how do you generate? like a a happy forward energy for yourself and those little moments of gratitude I think just give yourself a little bit of dynamism in the morning that you need I think and the other day for example I got it with like physical activity so there's a ton of snow here in Toronto and I was shoveling away for a good hour and I was sweating and I felt amazing afterwards like i felt so good in my body I you know I felt useful and I was ready to like dive into work I thought that's really interesting how do how do you create that kind of physical emotional high you know at the beginning of your day it's not always the easiest thing to do how to live in the moment when you first wake up and you're sort of not sure what's gonna happen and uh and how do you keep that going throughout the day you know yeah it's tricky I think I think there's a million different ways of doing it isn't isn't there I don't think there's one way of living in the moment
0: well well it's funny because um from my point of view every moment is a moment and we do live in every moment we're just not aware of it Mm -hmm. so the distinction for me is that you know those moments like when you were shoveling the snow you weren't thinking I've got to shovel the snow so that I can get back to work you were shoveling the snow. The snow was always there. It's the attitude to what you're doing, right? The awareness around what you're doing without attachment. So if you make the, the, in the moment conditional to I'll live in the moment, if it'll make me feel better or get through the day, like, just as you said, with the gratitude thing, right? Like, it's like yeah, mm-hmm. gratitude. And then you might, all right, whatever, skeptically, thank you. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but it's interesting, right?
1: Yeah. No, just hearing you talk about that, like, yes shoveling snow is actually there's certain activities that where you're just focused on the task too i mean those ones you really are sort of (laughs) never thought i'd say i'm living in the moment when i'm shoveling snow but like but you but you're very much in the moment and i would say i'd experience that uh playing roller derby because it's Mm. such an intense physical sport Mm -hmm. the only thing that you can focus on is well being safe on skates but like doing that intense physical action in the moment and just focusing on that task. It does feel amazing to do those things. And I just recently started uh, pottery and tap dancing as well. I've taken up a lot of hobbies. Um, But yeah, you really have to be in the moment. And I I don't know if it's like a meditative thing or not, or whether it's just nice to shut your brain up sometimes, isn't it? I think it's important to turn it off.
0: No, absolutely. I saw something. I know you're not a big social media gal, but nevertheless, um, I did see something and I'm, I'm not sure if you wrote it or not, but I I think you might have on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Can I share it? You said, um, I am fancy. I am fleeting. I am edges, gently meeting. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I did write that. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's, um, I'm glad that stood out. I mean, when you you know when you write something in your bio on Instagram you think oh god I hope people don't take this seriously but I put that up there I was um I love to write and I and I love to write poetry and I was just thinking the other day because I've been thinking a lot about identity and gender and how we kind of define ourselves. that's something I've been thinking a lot about recently. And I was thinking, like, what are all the different ways that I can describe myself that don't really categorize into boxes and things like that? And um, I guess I was thinking about um, all the different sides of myself um, and a way of describing myself that... Wasn't just, um, I don't know, putting myself in a box, I guess. But then I also thought, well, I am fancy, I am fleeting, I am edges gently meeting. Almost edges gently meeting, like... (laughs) I thought this could almost describe the way an Instagram grid looks like. I was like, oh, that's horrific. If Instagram wanted to like describe itself in poem form, I am edges gently meeting like the squares. Of an mean, ins- I was like, oh God, I hope no one thinks it's that. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a bit of fun. I think with social media, I'm sort of really trying to figure out how do I... How do I want to share myself with total strangers? You know, so I'm really thinking about how to use it in a way that's healthy and fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a journey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you and honor you for that because I thought that was beautiful. What do you mean by "I am edges gently meeting"?
1: Um, I suppose the hard and soft parts of yourself of your personality or of your physical being Mm. and yeah I was trying to think of all the different parts that could comprise me (laughs) Mm.
0: it's cool sorry I'm totally riffing off that when I think about edges gently meeting there I think of that what let me ask you this crazy question Mm -hmm. if you were a Venn diagram oh yeah the two circles you know yeah 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 what what is the golden section there in the middle of you that is both of those sides so not the two edges just meeting but rather where's the crossover which i think is the is the the, the beautiful sort of blend of all of anna
1: yeah i think i'm only very recently discovering what that middle part is i think mm. You know, like we talked about earlier, I think for a long time, I thought I had to be a certain way. And um, like I have curly hair, for example, and for the longest time for auditions, I blow dry my hair, straighten it, um, you know, think that I had to look a certain way. And it's, it's sort of these weird things that you do to sort of deny parts of yourself. So I think I'm trying to judge less okay what's the middle of the venn diagram um i think it's that peaceful place in the middle where you're not judging yourself and you're not putting any pressure on yourself to perform a version of yourself for others that's sort of the middle isn't it
0: because when you talked about oh my god i hope it doesn't look like an instagram grid when when i pulled up that the poem that you wrote, right? That's interesting. Yeah. That fear right there, that fear of, I hope it's not, is really interesting. And then now when we're talking about the ven, y- y- you're able to access probably what that field would feel like, but it's conjuring up for me that currently, even though you know it's a place you can go to, it's not a place that you can come from. So it's really a safe place. Again, this mm-hmm. is all conjecture. I don't know if this is true, but this is just what's coming mm-hmm. up for me. So Imagine the Venn diagram with the outside circles as the wings of a butterfly and the crossover place as as the core, as the cocoon. Interestingly enough, that that is where the cocoon begins. But the wings are what makes it fly, right? I love
1: that. No, and and actually (laughs) the uh, the sort of winged image does resonate. That kind of angel winged figure is probably like one of those archetypal figures is one of those kind of protective figures but they're also quite worldly wise aren't they they've they've lived for centuries and they know how to live in the middle and also like you said those winged parts of yourself the other parts that you use to sort of be in the world they Mm -hmm. they're not bad parts they're just other parts and when you can see them for the whole for what they are they can be kind of magical Mm -hmm. you know Mm-hmm. Um that's really interesting that yeah you see it like a butterfly because that's an image that's definitely mm. uh, come well, up for me
0: yeah and I mean I see you as the butterfly it's interesting because when you talk about the angel we think about it sounded even like even when you were saying it maybe I heard you wrong but there's a tendency to think of the angel as something that maybe comes to us that we relate uh-huh. to Whereas what I'm proposing is that you are the butterfly and that you can use your cocoon to keep yourself safe or to visit when you want to retreat, or you can recognize that from that cocoon is where your wings grow and that when you fly, you take all of you with you.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that requires a certain amount of uh, self-awareness and mm-hmm. surrender at the same, and I guess living in the moment, <laughs> you know, but y- yeah, how to sort of, hold yourself energetically with all those parts it does require it requires yeah a certain amount of thought and um consideration this is why i think social media and 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 online stuff is is just such a distraction from being energetically in yourself really Mm -hmm. in the day-to-day yeah
0: yeah no absolutely um if you were to call me five years from now and you were to say to me, Lisa, since we spoke, my whole life has transformed. What would you be telling me?
1: Hmm. Well, I had thought about this uh, recently. Um,
0: you know what? I'm going st- to stop you for one second. Yeah. S- embody it and tell me. Embody Make this it. an acting exercise. So, 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 hey, Lisa, I haven't spoken to you in ever long. Oh my God, my life has changed. This is what's happening. And tell me in
1: real time. Oh, okay. Um, I've had an amazing five years. Um, it's been busy, but also there've been so many brilliant life moments where I've been able to explore the world and uh, take some holidays and um, I've been working on some projects uh, that have been very dear to me for a long time and we made them and I worked with some really incredible creative teams in a way that I didn't think would be possible and um, here we are. They've won some awards. (laughs) uh you know there's been the oscar no i'm kidding um yeah i think uh i i've uh yeah I've, I've achieved some um personal project goals these last five years that have been very satisfying and um you know flexed my muscles in in ways that i didn't foresee
0: <laughs> that was beautiful what did you notice
1: what did I notice? Uh, it's really fun to think about things in mm-hmm. that way. Yeah,
0: you you completely lit up until you got to the Oscar thing, and then brain came in.
1: Oh yeah, and said yeah. oh no 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 don't be so big. <laughs> well, I just don't know if it's going to happen in the next five years. I think that will be ten. Well, if, <laughs> if you don't
0: believe in the possibility <laughs> that it could happen, then it probably won't.
1: That's very true that's very true. If it's you're funny living, how we shoot ourselves down. Yeah, perfectly. like like living yeah. into
0: your limitation, you know? I, literally, I mean it's it's living a default future is what I call it instead of a, a created life. Let's say you have all yeah. the material things that you ever needed, all the creature comforts, all of that. And then mm. I come to you and say, you could have anything you want that money can't buy. What what would you want?
1: Hmm.
0: What if I? <laughs>
1: God. <laughs> Why are these questions so hard? And um, Mm, connection just connection with people I think yeah. yeah I think that's the thing I crave the most now and I definitely don't want to decrease with time yeah, yeah. brilliant
0: yeah. that's brilliant because you were pretty as hard as it felt you were pretty pretty quick to to draw out one of your biggest values which is connection definitely how Anna how do you want to be remembered
1: Mm, with love and fondness (laughs) Mm. yeah
0: what's something that you don't want people to know about you
1: Mm. that's a funny one isn't it I think often I don't want I don't want people to know how playful I am I think sometimes I sort of I, I get the impression that in the industry that it's, it's a weakness to show too many sides of yourself, you know. Mm. But actually, I think it's probably the thing that I want to lean into the most is being, being playful and being silly, especially with, with other actors and other creative people. But there's a sort of, yeah, I think you can often think, well, I should better present my, my best. Again, it's this thing of presenting your best self, which it just doesn't exist, does it? You know, that's that's some kind of sleek version of yourself that's really put together. But actually the the interesting part is is the sort of unpolished inner. I don't want people to see my unpolished sides. Oh God, I'm a perfectionist. This is terrible. I'm finding all these <laughs> terrible things out. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: so often our strengths are hidden in our weaknesses and vice versa
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: so there's a cornucopia of possibilities that are untapped
1: that's so true I think I think yes the things we want to hide are our strengths if we can own them and not you know self-deprecate while we do those things because then I think that's where probably other people's doubt creeps in about you you know (laughs) she seems so playful but why is she so unsure about herself (laughs) um yeah I think that's so true and that's why often you you know when a self-tape or an audition is bland because you're trying not to show those little sides of yourself that actually make a character more interesting and I think when I was at drama school, you know we were our school was big on transformative acting, and we we did i mean anyway, I won't go into detail, but that was kind of like the epitome for me being something very different and thinking that i couldn't couldn't put any of myself in it, but that was misguided, and I wasn't necessarily being taught that, but I was telling myself that that I can't use all of those. Mm. things that I can access really easily even if they're right for the character and now I know it's like oh no definitely use that first if you can because you're it's just so much more easily accessible Mm. yeah
0: yeah let's do the rapid fire I'm going to say what makes you um and then I'll say a word and then you say what comes to mind all right okay cool Mm -hmm. what makes you hungry?
1: Pasta, pizza, Chinese food, Thai food. I'll eat anything. Food uh, makes me hungry.
0: What makes you sad?
1: Oh, uh, loneliness. Yeah.
0: What inspires you?
1: A good book. Nature. I think stand-up comedians are pretty inspiring. New parents. I've seen, I've had a lot of friends who have children. I think that's pretty inspiring. Mm. What frustrates you? Uh, when friends disappoint you, that could be frustrating. What makes you laugh? One of the things that really makes me laugh is a podcast called Three Girls, One Keith. It's Amy Schumer's podcast. It is my comfort place. Listening to other people laugh is, Mm. um, is really enjoyable. And
0: finally, what makes you grateful?
1: I think I feel most grateful with uh, family and friends again it just comes back to connection i think that's when i feel most blissed out is uh, is when i'm with really mm-hmm. good company who mm-hmm. i can be myself around
0: no yeah. so, no fair enough
1: mm-hmm. what
0: are the top three things <laughs> that have happened so far today
1: wow okay i had a lovely phone call with a friend of mine in the uk so that was nice. And I had a walk while I did that. And I was working on a self-tape this morning. And because it's not in my natural accent, there's a lot of uh, repetition and going through sound. So I was doing a lot of lot of that this morning. Oh, and I chatted to my mum. What is
0: something that you're looking forward to?
1: I'm looking forward to warmer weather, although I very much enjoy the cold, but the winters in uh, Toronto are longer than I'm used to uh more time physically spent with friends and family and more physical activity
0: mm. yeah <laughs> yeah roller skating right
1: <laughs> exactly I'm ready to ready to get my skates on
0: Anna thank you so much for joining me today it's been such fun
1: oh my pleasure thank you so much for having me it's been really lovely
0: I've been speaking today with Anna Tierney thanks for listening stay safe and healthy everyone and remember to live in the moment in music stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison supporting the soloist to express their individuality in the moment I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.